Father, we give you praise. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe the Lord has heard to give me an amen. amen. In that case, you believe that he's releasing to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Therefore, let's declare the word of understanding as we usually do. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to his words. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Now that's what I call a declaration. And that will be your experience in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you greet somebody on your left and your right? Are depressing? Congratulations. Understand this coming to you. Greet somebody. Make sure you greet at least four people. And once you have done number four, you can take your seat. The Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles. We are going to continue studying divine lifting, how God lifts people up. And we are trying to establish the fact that it's God that lifts people. We are not the ones that lift ourselves. What we experience in life is the judgment of God, not the result of our own works. And that's what we've been trying to look at. But I will read two portions today to start. First of all, let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 16. At the same time, please, let's open to Psalm 78. Let us start with 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now, because we have read this one several times, I am going to be quick with it. Now, God said to Samuel in verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, Now it's time to go and anoint for me a king over Israel, so fill your horn with oil, he said, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. And now, let's see what happened. For verse um, 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, Do you come in peace? And he said, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. He said, For I have rejected him. We have been establishing, I mean, we have been looking carefully at that word, or that word, reject. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, we won't read the rest of it, but just to remind us, Jesse called Abinadab, Shammah came. Thus, the Bible says in verse 10, all the seven sons passed by Samuel. And then God did not choose any one of these. And then later on, they sent for David, and David was anointed king by Samuel. Now, let's open our Bibles again. Also, the book of Daniel chapter 4. Now, because I want to save time, and it's something we all know, I will not read um, a lot of it. It will just remind us of the story. Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. We remember the story. And 
the dream was narrated to Daniel. And as part of the dream, look at what he said in verse 17. He said, this sentence... Okay, let me back up a bit. Verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar said, I was looking in the vision in my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. He shouted and spoke as follows. Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And let him share with the beasts in the grass of the earth. And let his mind be changed from that of a man. And let the beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. Now verse 17. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers. And the decision is a command of the holy ones. In order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows on it whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. Now, this was the inter- this really happened. Now, I just want to just look quickly down to when this came to pass. Verse 28 of chapter 4. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. He said 12 months later he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Then the king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Now, let me read that again. The man said, This is Babylon, Great Babylon. I built it by myself as a royal residence by the might of my power. And it was built for the glory of my majesty. Please bear that in mind. Now the Bible says in verse 31, While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared. He now repeated those things that were said that we read earlier. But I just feel like reading verse um, 32 again. You will be driven from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be he said, you will be giving grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows on it whomever he wishes. Don't ever forget that. I said we should read one more, right? Psalm 78. Reading time, blessing time. <laughs> the Lord is good. Psalm 78. Now, I'm going to read verse from verse 65 to 72. That's kind of in the middle of a sentence or a paragraph that, as I say, we are caught in the middle, but it's difficult to go earlier than that. So let me just take that middle from verse 65. It was talking about the fact that Israel was punished by God because of their iniquity. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, verse 65, like a warrior overcome by wine. He drove his adversaries backward. He put them, he put on them an everlasting reproach. He also rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth which he has founded forever. 
Now, this is where I want verse 17. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From the care of the ewes with suckling lambs, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them, that is David, according to the integrity of his heart. And he guided them with his skillful hands. Please notice that. God brought David from a place of obscurity where nobody knew really that he was there. And what was the purpose? It was so that he might shepherd his people. And David accomplished that. God said, um, um, Samuel said to Saul that God has chosen a man after his heart. Saul was a man after the heart of the people. What I mean by after the heart of the people is that that was the kind of person they wanted. God took the Sorry for the expression I'm about to use. God took the tallest fool in town and made him their king. It was good for them. They wanted it like that. I hope you pardon what I just said there. (laughs) It was not God's idea. Saul was somebody that they wanted. And God said to them clearly, you don't want this Saul. They said we want him. So what God gave to them was not his will, but a summary of what they were able to receive at that time. Don't forget that. It was God's decision, but it was based on something that's inside their hearts. So when Saul showed his true character, God looked for somebody after his own heart. Do you get my point here? And he looked for somebody after his heart, and that's what Samuel said to Saul. God has looked for a man after his heart. This time around, is the kind of person that God wants that he's going to make king. And he found in that person David. And the Bible says, so he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. God knew that Saul did not have integrity in his heart. But David had. And guided them with his skillful hands. And we're going to talk about these two things beginning from today. The integrity in the heart of David and the skill in the hands of David. Don't forget those two points. The integrity in the heart of David and the skill in his hands. Those are the two things that God wanted in the man after his heart. And that was why he picked David. Now, I was saying something. Let me, I said I wanted to digress slightly. Now, this is my digression. God chooses for people. Now, your, what's wrong with that small plastic? Your PVC is not how we make choices of who's head of state. It's, it's not how, it's not what decides the outcome. It is God. He said, shouldn't we get our PVCs as our voters card? You should. Why? It's called a civic duty. Every Christian should do his civic duty. When you vote, you are voting according to your conscience. You must never sell your vote. If you do, you are selling your destiny. Are you getting my point? If somebody offers you money to vote for somebody and you accept, you have told God you are not reliable, you worship mammon, and you are not to be blessed by him. So you don't do such things. As a believer, it would have been better you sat at home than you went to the polling booth and you queued where they were sharing money so that you would, you understand, get out of it, get it and vote for somebody. That is a sin. That is called selling your best right for a morsel of meat. It is not the vote that's God's problem. I hope you understand my point. It's not the vote. The person he has decided we win, we win. If you like, sell your great grandfather's land with it. It doesn't, it's not going to change anything. It's just that each thing you do in life as a believer, each thing you do in life as a Christian, you are making a statement. 
Don't ever forget that. You are making a statement. It's very crucial you get that point. So Christians, we must vote. We must vote. But please let me say it again. That is not what decides who we win. Your voting pattern and all the other things around it will cooperate to bring forth the person that God has ordained. You now say to me that, ah, you know, but didn't you say that God gave them somebody after their heart? Listen, the person you are voting for is not the person that's inside your heart. Trust me. I don't know what I heard what I said. Let me explain what I'm going to say. If we are all wicked people, you know, have you heard it before? We need good leaders. God says, you all think you need good leaders. That is true. Actually, you need good leaders. But I will give you bad leaders because you are bad followers. So a good leader will come out, campaign, and lose. Why? God says, because those who are in the country, they don't, God does not give you what you need. He gives you what you deserve. I don't know whether you're getting my point. God doesn't give us what we need. He gives us what we deserve. If we are wicked people, he will give us a bad leader. Let me say it again. Please, don't believe this doctrine. The more I read my Bible, the more I wonder why people used to believe such things. Just by the way, I think I know why. Those days, now, I don't mean this to be critical. I just want to say it. My aim is to correct people so that we'll learn the truth. When we were young believers, those days, there was one general talk that was around that, you see, the New Testament was written to the church. What are you, why are you spending your time reading the Old Testament? Except that we misuse those words. There's nothing like the Old Testament in that context. Genesis is not Old Testament. It was before the Old Testament. Are you getting my point? It was somewhere in Exodus that Old Testament began. I hope you're following my point. Job is not under the Old Testament. But even within the Old Testament, there are these people that God sent in and he called them prophets. The prophets were not prophets of the Old Testament. They were prophets of God. And the Bible says, Paul was speaking, that God committed to them what? The oracles of God. So he said they prophesied concerning the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So the gospel with the prophets preached. The prophets preached the gospel. The New Testament, what we call the New Testament, which is basically the letters of the apostles and revelations. Okay, the book of Revelation. Those are just the keys with which we unlock the things that the gospel, the prophets preached. Now, what am I going to say? Those days people said, don't read that. You know, no, it's not true. It was written to us just that we did not understand it. Ethiopian eunuch was going. He too did not understand until Philip explained it to him. So if they explain it to you, you too cannot understand Isaiah. Are you getting my point? I'm going somewhere. So people did not read those days. Those, those so they kept on saying that God only does good. And when they pick people briefly into the so-called Old Testament, which the Bible actually calls the law and the prophets, so when they look into the law and the prophet, they see God killing people. They say, no, he did not kill them. He allowed them to be killed. Please, that thing, I have read my Bible too now. Listen, you know, it's like I've been preaching recently. God kills people. When we were Makodi, somebody asked a question that I said that uh, people need to repent because of the blood shed and all of that that's in the land. He said, but other prophets have come and explained that it's Satan trying to thwart the purpose of God for the state. And that God does not kill people. It's Satan that does that. 
I just said simply. But everybody laughed when I answered. I said, so who killed everybody in the days of Noah? Of course, that simple statement. Whoever asked that question, because they wrote it down, they wrote down the questions, he got his answer. Listen to me, people of God. God kills people. I hope you get the point. He kills Christians. He does. It's all over the Bible. In fact, Paul said, please judge yourself. Because if he decides to judge you, you will be condemned with the world. So please, let's not go near there. This gospel of God is good, does not have done anything that is banned. It's not Bible. So what happens to people is that sometimes when they find a man like Adolf Hitler arising and killing six million Jews and other minorities and people he did not like, the conclusion is that he could not have been appointed by God. Why? He was too wicked. But that's, again, it's not scripture. The Bible makes it clear he was. You are saying Adolf Hitler was God's choice? Do you know that Saul went into a village? Only priests lived there. Saul. And you know what he did? He killed everybody because he was looking for David. And he heard that David was there. And that the people helped David, even though unknowingly. He came and he slaughtered everybody. Let me ask you a simple question. Was Saul appointed by God? Yes. We saw Samuel appoint him. It was not God's best. But it was God's, no, it was God's choice. It's just that it was not God's best. He decided he would be king. But he warned them that the way you are going, this is the kind of king you will get to. So the fact that Adolf Hitler killed six million people does not mean he was not God's choice. It was God that picked him. Do you know what Pharaoh did to the people of Israel? Yet God said something. For this cause, I raised you up that I might show my glory in you. It was God that personally took him from nowhere and made him a Pharaoh, ruler of Egypt. A totally new dynasty, not the one that Joseph served. The Bible says that there arose a king that did not know who Joseph was. He said, these are the people of Joseph. He said, Joseph. <laughs> Which one is Joseph? I hope you're getting my point here. He was another pharaoh that came, maybe they planned, they plotted a coup or something, invaded, but replaced the former dynasty. But God said, I raised you up. So when people think that they can, listen, you think you can make a choice of who will be the head of state with your PVC. No, you can't. But what is inside your heart, what is inside my heart, put together, God used that to decide who is our next ruler or who is the ruler. So that if we all say we need a good leader in the country, but we are all bad people, <laughs> God will be laughing. Whatsoever a nation sows, that shall it also reap. How can you sow bad followership and read good leadership? And we know that the average man on the street is a criminal. Every little bit of power you give him, he uses to oppress his neighbor. The same person comes and says, we need good leaders. How does it work? So he will now sit down and say, there are young, good, vibrant leaders there. Why can't we get them? God say, I can't give them to you. You are too wicked. 
And even if I were to give them to you, you couldn't even receive them. Because the things that you're asking for, if they try to do what is needed for that thing to come to pass, you will revolt. I haven't talked to an average person. I just said they don't want things to work. They think they do, but they don't. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just letting you know. I want us to know where to put your energy. So how do you get good leaders? I'll tell you the truth. We beg God for it. It's not, I see Christians trying to campaign. No offense intended. No pastor has the right to try and for, you know, push down any candidate on the Christian body because he's a pastor, because he thinks the person is a good candidate. Peter said something. We don't know the heart of anybody. That is why you will never get me to campaign. For, no matter, look, if Jesus shows up now and removes his cloth and joins PDP, say, bank is me. I will say, campaign for yourself. <laughs> I say, you know, our deal is I campaign Jesus as Lord, not President of Nigeria. Say, you mean will you vote for me? I, I know you, I will vote for you. This one is meant to be used to declare Christ. Because even Jesus came to his hometown. and could, I told him that if, if Jesus ruled Nigeria, he can't give, he can't give good road. When I say people don't believe it, though. if Jesus showed up in this country now, he joins SDP. Abi, <laughs> give me another party now. Whatever he joins, and then he campaigns and he wins, and he becomes governor of Enugu, he can't even maintain security in Enugu. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Pastor Banky, he's gonna put you out of ministry. He won't. He knows I'm telling the truth. He can't give constant power in Nigeria. He can't. He said, Jesus, yes. Prove it from scripture. Read Mark chapter 6. He went to his hometown. Just his hometown. <laughs> Not the whole country. Just his own hometown. And what the Bible say? He couldn't do anything mighty. Giving constant power in Nigeria is huge work. Jesus went to his hometown, and the Bible said he could do no mighty work, saving that he built a few culverts. Go ahead, your Bible. He healed a few sickly people. And the Bible says it was because he didn't have power. No! He said he marveled at what? Their unbelief. So no matter how good the leader is, if the people are unbelieving people, he can't do anything. So you see, the problem is not with Jesus now. That is why we won't bother voting for him like that. That's why he doesn't come campaigning to be king like that. He comes, his own campaign is one-on-one. Change your heart. Change your life. If we all change our hearts and change our lives, getting a good leader up there is easy for him to do. So don't think I was taking anything away from the person of Jesus. I wasn't. I was trying to explain, no matter how much God wants to bless us, except we are able to receive the blessing, the blessing will hang. Jesus came with anointing. Powerful, full, full, full anointing. He went to just his hometown. And that was the very place he couldn't do anything. And it was the reason he said, unbelief. So please, Jesus is a good ruler. He's a good king. It's just that if the subjects are bad, even the good king can't do anything. Listen, that's why one day he's coming. He's coming, he's returning. And it's going to destroy, not save, destroy every disobedient person. Because he understands that nothing good can come if those who are, you are leading are disobedient. So he's giving time now for men to repent. 
So the time I return, the, go and read the, the book of Revelations. The first thing he does when he returns is to wipe out every bad person. It's not wickedness. It's called solution. It's conclusion. Purification. We have finished with the time that we give those who really could change to do it. Those remaining who don't want to change, we wipe them out. Without that, we can't bring down a new earth and a new heaven. The new Jerusalem cannot come. Because once the first sinner steps inside it, it pollutes the whole thing. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. That is why Jesus is not carrying ballot box. He says the real problem is somewhere else. Let's get back to our message. I said that's a digression. So you see, he appoints our leaders. We don't. What we do, however, is to express whether we deserve a good leader or a bad leader by everything, including by how we vote. I've given this illustration several times, but it's so perfect I need to use it again. A, a, a roommate of mine in school, Law Students Association election. He went there, came back to the hostel. I was a medical student, so I don't know what happened in there, except he told us about it. He said, he mentioned the name of the guy who won the, you know, is it chairman or president? President of the Law Students Association. And said that guy, he gave him all kinds of bad names. Called him a fool, called him clueless, that he could do, that that guy cannot take the association forward at all. Then it ended with, but I voted for him. And I almost collapsed. <laughs> this guy has spent nothing less than 15 minutes ranting on how useless this is, you know, colleague, you know, in the faculty was. I, did, I mean, I, did, I, don't, I didn't know what was going on there. He came to the hostel to be making so much noise. He said, but I voted for him. I said, what? He said, you see, he's my brother. If you were God, wouldn't you appoint Satan as his head of state? Think about it. A man opened his eyes and said, this guy is useless. Ballot time, he said to God, I will give my vote to the most useless candidate. Thereby saying to God, all the prayers we prayed for good leadership is relevant. It is not the ballot that's not the issue. It's the lack of faith. You have said to God, I was in prayer service in church. For six months we were praying and fasting for the country to go forward. But then, when you now came to test us, you showed us the best candidate. We looked and said, that one is not my brother. This one is a useless candidate, but he's my brother. God said, cast your vote for your brother. It's not a problem. But by the time he wins and ruins your economy, it's not because of your vote. It's because of your lack of faith. Your vote only said to me that your six months prayers was a waste of time. So that's why we Christians, each time we want to vote, we are making a statement. Last time when I voted, God knew why I, made, I, I voted the way I did. Look, I vote based, you know, it's what is inside your mind and my mind that God is putting together. That's why we pastors, we have a responsibility to educate the people. It's not, look, we can't get that. I, I told you there was one big preacher, American, I listened to him a lot. If I can have a lot of his books. More like I read him a lot. I've not had many of them, but I've downloaded his videos from YouTube and all of that. I used to be on his mailing group until, with good intention, he began to release mails. Like Kingdom World, we have thousands of people in our mailing group. But I will never tell you who to vote for. I will never do it. 
He began to do it. He will sit down and analyze the Republican Party. I took it upon myself and wrote him a mail. I said, sir, you're a prophet of God. When we subscribe to your mail, mail we want to hear thus says the Lord. Analysis of American politics is not my business as a Nigerian. That's one. Number two, even if I were an American, I don't listen to you because you know politics. I listen to you because you can hear God. I hope you're getting my point here. The thing did not stop. Of course, I can't control the man. I just offered my opinion. I gently removed my email from his list. I'll buy your books, but I'm not going to have you remove the respect I have for you by this. I, I just stopped. So I listened to him other things. But comes to political analysis. Says, sir, that's not your job. There are people who know politics more than you. So listen, people. God appoints our leaders most certainly, but not because we gather to vote. So when I see pastors gather and say, all Christians, go and get your PVC. You will vote somebody you thought was a good Christian. Listen to me. If you go and read the analysis of the life, life of Adolf Hitler before he became head of state in Germany, people were saying that we wish he just died six months. You know, we wish he, he died like in 1938. That his name would have been carved in gold for life. Transformed the economy. Built pride in the German again. The economy stabilized under him. But he moved into 1939. And matters commenced. If the man had died in 1938, people have been studying him today on how to transform an economy. He built purpose in the heart of the German. If that guy stood the election 10 times before the war broke out, he would have won 10 times. He couldn't defeat him. At the end of the day, he's not a man that you can't even joke with his start. If you stand like him and you joke, they can put you in prison in most Western countries. If you, if you put his swastika, you know, jokingly, you go to class, you, you and your friend, want to, you know Halloween, you know they do, they want, they want Americans do Halloween. You can't even play Halloween dressed like a Nazi. You dress like them, trouble. His name is now odious to people. Yet I'm telling you, most people will have voted for him. So we believers will bear this in mind. As we are praying for this, our country, please don't pray for anybody to win an election. We have two main candidates right now, right? The current president, who is in APC, and the former VP, who is in PDP. And as you all know, this is not political talk. APC and PDP, they are the same party. Depends on which gang inside the party is winning at each particular point in which state. That's why we just, you know, we just jump up and down. I'm not angry. It's Nigerian politics. We are not Americans. Praise God. We have our way of doing things. At the end of the day, the will of God will stand. Amen? Amen. Uh-huh. I'm not campaigning for anybody. I'm not angry with anybody. Oh, I will go and vote. I have my reasons for the vote I want to vote. The only problem is that history has shown that once I vote for you, you are in jeopardy. <laughs> but I will still vote. I will still vote. Yet I will be feeling bad as I'm voting for whoever I'm voting for. I say, bros, bros, <laughs> bros, May 29th comment, <laughs> you will not be on the podium. <laughs> I will, but I will still vote for you. I will still vote. I don't know why it's like that. Maybe so that my ministry can progress, so that I will not be able to deceive anybody. Because if every time I've been voting, it's been going th- that way, you know what now? Come and say, I have a prophetic unction concerning the next election. It will be a lie. So God said, I will confound you. You won't just preach the truth. You know, the last election I wrote in the time of election, I will circulate it again when this election is approaching. People who read it 
thought I was stylishly campaigning for somebody else. Meanwhile, I voted the other party. And they said, but you said, I said, no, read what I said. I just emphasized that people should vote according to their conscience. If you think this is right, you understand, support that thing. So people read into it that I was campaigning against corruption. I wasn't. I don't know whether I get the point. I just said, stand by what you believe is right in your vote. But as a, as a believer, you must obey, you must do your what? Your duty. I mean, NTA, was it NTA or ESBS? They came here with their television camera. That please, pastor, people listen to you. Help us persuade them to go and collect their PVC. Isaiah, you were here that day. And I sat there. I'm told everybody in Enugu that will watch the program. Please. My name is Pastor Bank. Yeah, that's the same Pastor Bank you listen to. Go and collect your PVC. I have mine. I plan to vote. You too should vote. He said, what if they rig us out? At least then you can pray. But if you don't vote, you can't pray. You have not been offended. You have no local standing. You have not been injured by the activity. So you, have, you become an, a medusome interloper. <laughs> I don't know what lawyers call it. The few words I've learned, I used to oppress those who don't know anything. <laughs> the Lord is good. So people of God, let's get back to our message. I don't know why I just sat on that one so long. Okay? So what we do as people is that we, we look to God for favor. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. We look to him for favor. We don't look to our ability to campaign. We beg him. There are people, mark my words, there are people, it's not even mark my words, just the way it is, who are campaigning, who are in front now, they will not be alive by the time we are voting. It's just life. It's not a prophetic word, though. Please don't go around, Pastor Frank, somebody will die. I didn't say so. People die every day. That's all I have said. One guy campaigned in America, but before election he died. They still voted for him, he still won. You know, they say in Nigeria that uh, our head of state appoints dead people. In America, they, they opened their eyes and voted for a dead man. He died before the election. They knew he was dead. Yet they went and voted and voted for the cops. Yes, I'm t- true story. Into a state assembly, not national one. They are state legislature. And in our country, we have seen a man was about to win an election. Let's not say more than that. Then while they were counting, they went and said, oh God, we are leading. They found the man had died. So they said election is inconclusive. We don't blame them. The man who appears like he could possibly be leading and winning. They say election is inconclusive. They ran to court, came back from court. At the, end, the point is this. The man died, even though it appeared like he was going to win the election. That's how God is. Sometimes some will win. A few months after they win, they will die. You've been there before. In the, it did not happen in our country. God has his ways of picking who, that he knows how he does it. I was listening to Derek Prince speak about the turn of the Second World War, the, the battle of, in North Africa, what they call the Battle of El Alamein, before it was fought. The Germans were pummeling the Allied forces in North Africa. There was one guy they called General Rommel, one of Hitler's best field marshals. Rommel was showing them pepper. And, they, uh, and the prince was a soldier. They began to pray. God give us leaders. Through them, you can get this win victory for us and all of that. He prayed that prayer. And then they withdrew the guy who was commanding the Allied forces, a British general, and replaced, me, replaced him with another one. And God said no. I mean, the war council sat and said, this is the guy who will go and command the rest of the battle in North Africa. And God said no. So as we were flying the man in, 
the pilot crash landed. The man was flung out of the plane. He broke his neck and he died. Then Churchill had to quickly pick an alternative. Without consulting with anybody, he picked Bernard Montgomery by himself. Why? That was a person God anointed. Are you getting my point? And this one that God picked, he came. And first thing he did was to go to the soldiers, the officers. And he shook them. That is, he disciplined them. Overnight, everybody became disciplined. They became disciplined. He boosted the morale of the soldiers. Now they were ready to fight. And the reprint said once he was sitting down and listening to the broadcast, radio. And he heard that the day before that battle, the decisive battle of El Alamein was fought. The man gathered the soldiers and said, let us pray. Did you hear that? And he, he said, let us ask the Lord of hosts to give us victory in this battle. That was the commander. He asked God for help. And God came, helped. And that was when the Second World War began to turn. God, he has a way of appointing his own person. Don't look at anybody. Nobody, look. <laughs> I remember the days of MK Abiola. We were so certain. I was a youth cop at that time. We were the ones that my colleague, I didn't go. I was working in the clinic. So my colleagues were the one electoral officer here and there. MK Abiola won properly. You know, there's a kind of winning you win. Even your enemies know you won. Bashir Tofa had congratulated him. But God said no. God said no. It's not your time. Whatever he wanted to do, listen, you can't. Well, let's leave political, spiritual explanations. Let's leave that one. Let's get to our message. But when you are praying, that's what I'm going to emphasize as believers. Know where to focus. Don't ever be discouraged. Don't look at any party. No matter how big a party is, it can disappear. It's not Nigeria. They will all just decamp. You know, Nigeria, we are good with that one. We just decamp every in one month. You won't you look for APCI to be no more. You will look to for PDP and its place will no longer be there according to the scriptures. I hope you're getting my point. So no human no human being, no human structure is God. What you should pray, look, when you are praying, don't think of just pray for a number of things. One, there are many things you can pray for. Let me just drop a few in that political area. Say, Lord, give us leaders that will bless us. Forgive us our sins. Don't, give, deal, don't deal with us according to the multitude of our iniquity. It's important you make those statements. Don't say, we deserve a better leader. God says, eh, 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 eh. should I give you what you deserve? You don't. Maybe you as an individual, you do, but you are, you are, you are not the whole country. So you say, God, no, forgive us, have mercy. We have not done as well as we should, but uh-uh. if you deal with us according to our iniquity, where will we be? Are you getting my point? You offer statements like that. And you ask God, help us. Send us a good leader. Send him or her in peace. We don't want every time we vote, somebody must die. I hope you're getting my point. Those are the kind of prayers you pray. Establish peace for us. Establish justice in the land. Establish righteousness. Those are the things that are more important to God than prosperity. Peace, justice, righteousness. Then, Lord, add prosperity to it. And please, restore, I feel like adding this one. Restore faith in the hearts of the people. People have misplaced faith. Today, I realized that, you know, with all the bombing and shooting that we claim that we do in Nigeria, we don't kill as many people as Americans kill. 
with the same guns. I hope you're aware of that. It's a matter of fact. As at now, 21,000, sorry, almost 13,000 Americans have shot themselves to death as at today, this year alone. And it does not include those who committed suicide by gun. Only the ones that shot somebody else or somebody that shot them, we shot each other, we died, that kind of thing. It's 12,800 as of today for this year. Those who committed suicide is 22,000 added. Yet our people would die to go to that America and tell you Nigeria is not safe. So you pray to God to restore faith because that of faith is their problem. There's no way that it's safe. Safety is of the Lord. You pray like that, believe me, God will establish. Listen, he will set the least likely person in power. That's just the way it works. Ah, the Lord is good. I spent almost 40 minutes talking on a digression. But I hope you, you are blessed by it. Say that, yes, to make me happy. Thank you. At least now I'm encouraged. The Lord is good. Let's get to our message. All right? It's a continuation of what we are talking about last time. So, what we have been looking at, okay, is David. God lifts people up. In your life, it's God that will lift you up, not your own doing. It's not your own effort, not your own energy. That's what we've been trying to establish. It is not possible for you to plot. That's why we read all of these portions. You see a man, that, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he did a lot of great things. He was so great. At the point in time, he looked. He says, this is not great Babylon the great, which I myself built for the, with the strength of my might. I had understanding. I knew how to do it. And I did it for the glory of my majesty. And God says, that the way you see it? Let me prove to you that it was not you. And you know how God did it? It's not just by running him mad. God ran him mad. I mean, small, small babalawos were doing those things those days. So that's not a big deal. What God did, which nobody else could do, was that while Nebuchadnezzar was off the scene for seven seasons, we assume maybe it's about seven years, when he was mad, the kingdom grew and he was not overthrown. That was, look, that was how God showed his greatness. You know, think about it those days. The kingdom grew. It became more glorious and he was not overthrown. By the time he recovered, they handed him back the kingdom. Ah, the man said, what? Obviously, I am irrelevant to the whole picture. Obviously, I'm not the one that built it. Look at how great it became during my absence. Yet, when I recovered, it was handed over to me freely. That man died a dedicated worshiper of the true God. He understood that whatever I did, that was why he held... The things he took out of the temple in Jerusalem, he did not touch them. Because after he encountered Daniel, he knew that Daniel's God is a master. He was a servant. He realized that he was a servant of the God of Daniel. So he showed him a lot of respect. He worshipped the true God. Why did God, how did God achieve that for him? Just by showing him that you are not the reason why this country is great. You are not. It is great according to my decision. And when I've made up my mind, then I start fitting people into different roles in what I planned. Nebuchadnezzar understood that. So his head calmed down. Pride was wiped out of his life. The problem is that sometimes we people, we, we, we read the scriptures, it's as if it's just folk tale. We don't realize that these things are true. These things really happened the way they were recorded. I hope you're getting my point. They really happened the way they were recorded. And they are still happening today. The same God that did it then is still alive today. I said something to us, which I should repeat, that God, there's a, there's a principle of the third commandment, 
which is you must not take the name of the Lord thy God and place it on a vain thing. God is kept that he's jealous about that. I was teaching about that yesterday in a, in a, in a Bakaliki. He's jealous that you don't ascribe his glory to somebody else or something else. He's very jealous about that. He's very jealous. We must understand that he's the one that lifts people up. And I say to Christians, if you run all over the world looking for prosperity, God will frustrate you. He has a number of ways by which he does it. But you must never think prosperity is in locations. He wants you to know that he's the one that blesses people. After you have understood that, he can locate you anywhere he desires. If you think that prosperity is in going to Lagos or Abuja or America or the, the current trend, Canada. If you so focus your mind on it and you're a believer, God will package poverty and keep for you there. When you get there, you will run back and say, God is great. They say, how? They say, I got to a rich country, I was still poor. That's what he does. That's if you don't drown, you know. You know about drowning thing. Libya to Europe. Please, let's follow the, let's, let's the point I'm going to make here, all right? Listen, the Lord is established for us to understand that he's the one that raises people up. And listen to this. I want to just say something. Education is good. Somebody say amen. amen. But it's not passport to increase. No, it's not passport to being raised up. He's saying, that, why are you educating your children? Because they are supposed to be educated. Please, you must understand something in life. How to do what is right, because it is right. Those days in the United States, when they were founded as a nation, they made education compulsory for everybody. Do you know why? They say you cannot be a good citizen if you can't read and write. Uneducated people are not governable. That if they are not educated, now I want to add my own words, a politician will come and say, I'm going to give you concrete roads all over every inch of your village, of your towns, and your cities. And the drainages will be, I'm looking for one, will be pyrotechnically activated. No meaning to what I just said, but you know, you just say it like that. And people say, yeah, it's a good man, vote for him. Why? They don't have enough understanding to say, who will pay for it? Where will you get money? Say, when I become head of state, I'm going to... Look, this flying up and down is not necessary. We have been a bridge across the Atlantic. Uneducated people will say, yeah, vote for him. Are you, I hope you're getting my point. So that's why they said, no, everybody must be educated. Now, I'm going to say something here. So education is a fundamental thing about life. God expects... I mean, that's why the Bible was written. What does that mean? We should read it. One of my aunties, those days when she gave her life to Christ and joined a particular church as a middle-aged woman, the church organized adult lessons. You know the reason? That, madam, how will you read your Bible? So she will go to school as a middle-aged woman learning to read. Why? Because the church said Christians must read their Bible. So they taught every convert to read. So education is important. Education is important many times because of the kind of thing you want to do. For example, if you want to be um, a pilot, you have to be trained through reading and writing. I hope you're getting my point. If you want to be a doctor, for goodness sake, you have to go to the training. I'm going to emphasize something here. That yes, it's good. It's not the key to prosperity. It's not the key to increase. 
I've seen people that look for work, look for work. They say, maybe I should go back to school. I say, what? He said, maybe if I get a master's, I will now be no more employable. I said, hi. I told him once I was talking with a man. I said, have you read this my book? He said, man of God. You know, I told you I don't read much. That I listen more. Now, this is where I'm going. He said, you know, I told you I stopped in primary six. So the reading culture is not with me. So I listen. I do more of listening. Now, he said, what, what is the story about? That is a man that drove me in a stretch limo to go and preach. He said, man of God, tomorrow we'll go in the limo. We'll go in the limo. I went to his village. He said, I believe in perfect numbers. I, all my things are three, five, seven. That about. So, so one is sold, seven is a number of perfection. His house in the village has seven floors. Yes. He said, there's only one time in my life I've lost money doing business. He said, that year, man of God, I had four chartered accountants working for me. They couldn't trace the money. Now, the emphasis is not on the money. It's the number of chartered accountants he was paying. Oh, the emphasis is not on the money. It's the, on the number of chartered accountants. He said, I had four. It was interesting when we got to Lagos that day. When it was time to come out of the airport. Ah, <laughs> I saw a homer waiting, escorted by a tundra. Later when I got to his house, he said, I wanted to bring the, the Rolls Royce, but it didn't start. I said, thank God, sir, I did not start. <laughs> I will not agree enter. <laughs> what is the gist? The man said, I stopped schooling in primary six because none of my elder brothers were agreed to pay. So education is good, but it's not the passport to anything. It's not the passport to anything. It's just the right thing to do. Along the line that you're pursuing in life, if it's necessary, go ahead. But don't even for a moment think that this is how, you know, some people, what happens to them? And that's how you know people are talking unbelief. Say, this is a country that has professors. Why should we be arguing whether the head of state has secondary school living certificate? I say, read your Bible. You will know that it doesn't matter. Because it says upon it the least likely, the least qualified. That's proof that God is king. What I'm going to emphasize, we must remember, I just want to emphasize again, it's God that leads people up. 